Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. The wellness industry is a growing industry in the U.S. and globally. Research by PricewaterhouseCoopers indicated that 79% of employers offer a wellness program. However, that doesn't mean employees are taking advantage of these initiatives. My first guest today focuses on educating, engaging, and empowering employees to help mitigate future healthcare costs with a number of results-oriented programs. In fact, I used to work for this guy, and it's so good to be able to have him on the show. And you're going to hear some of the inside things that he's doing to really help employers reduce the cost and avoid catastrophic problems. So what bad habits do we develop over time that can harm us in the long run? Well, we find out in this show with Kevin Lombardo, president and CEO of Dorn Companies, and he can answer that question. Kevin, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, Jeff, good to see you. Good to see you. And you know what most people won't know, and we're going to tell them right off the bat, I used to Absolutely. work for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think all I did was open the door for you, my friend. All I did was open a door. <laughs> well, you were the you were the CEO of a, of a forms and label company, of course, yes. back in the eighties or early nineties. I helped, yep. I helped sell that label company a couple different times and sold it. Um, and the owners went on, and they 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 were running the company with you. And at some point, gosh, it was right after two thousand and one. Yes, it was. Yeah, right after 2001, uh, you guys gave me the uh, the okay to come and join the company. And was that was I was an okay guy to work for, work with or work for or have worked for? It, it, it was probably one of the best decisions I ever made, Jeff. And I'm not just saying this because we're on we're live here. Um, it was a great decision, and it really helped propel the business model change we had to make. Yeah, we did. We did do a lot of changes without question. We're talking about a company called Printexcel, which was owned by a public company company called Melwell, which then became Synveo. And I kind of marched my way through that company, so to speak. Yes, you did. In short order. But uh, in, and it's interesting, Kevin, because we're opposites. We, we see a lot of eye to eye, but yep. our personality types are totally different, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. Because it was interesting when I uh, sent it to the CEO role, it, it was important for me. I needed that person who could connect and be the cheerleader. And, um, you know, that I, I can be as outgoing as I need to be, but it's not something that's every day in my comfort zone. But uh, so as I met you along with Alan Conway, I said, yeah, no, that's a good team. And let's, you know, let's give Jeff an opportunity. And he just took it and ran. Well, Alan was a great guy too. He was a, he was always concerned about the business, very ingenious guy Absolutely. had an engineering mind with a sales twist, which was yes. a very unique kind of thing. He could design things, do things. Of course, was a former race car, stock car driver as well. He yeah. loved to do that. Yeah. And and I remember his dad finally, his, fa his father was a, a steam engine freak about fire stuff and written a ton of books. Mm -hmm. And, um, just, just a great family, all around good people. It's always good to have good people to work with. Absolutely. But I'm sure our audience doesn't want to hear our old war stories too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Give me an example of bad habits that we accumulate, accumulate over the years and, 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 and how can that cause long-term effects? 
So the bad habits that we focus on. So just to give you the the elevator pitch, and I haven't gotten it down to eight seconds. I've been trying ever <laughs> since you put that out there about ten years ago. Yeah. I haven't gotten it down to eight seconds. But you know, we're a wellness based pain management injury prevention program, and so there is that aspect of wellness in there. And what happens is people are trained certain ways. They may be trained the right way to do stuff, but once they're doing a job for a number of years, they accommodate to either the way the equipment's 30 years old or they accommodate to the way the facility is set up or whatever it is. And then what ends up happening is those habits become part of who they are. And what we find when we look at ergonomic related injuries, muscular skeletal, soft tissue issues, 80% of them are because of bad habits, bad body mechanics. And that's where we spend a lot of time is really helping people to improve their body mechanics. And it, it, at the end of the day, it reduces workers' comp costs, healthcare costs, back injuries, whatever, whatever. But the bad habits just accumulate over the years. I mean, we all have them. I mean, I'm still, I'm still doing this. Oh, no, he's holding up a Diet Pepsi. That's not good. I gave that stuff up a long time ago. Yes. But, uh, you know, I, I still recall when we used to go to national conferences, I'd have Shelly make sure there was a six pack in my hotel room. So yeah. there's a bad yeah. habit. I haven't been able to truly break that. So it just becomes part of who you are. So you have to take a mindfulness that says, I'm going to change. And yeah. sometimes an organization gives you tools to help, you know, and you made a, you made an important comment up front that everybody's got wellness programs. We kind of go in under safety, but we fall under wellness as well. And what happens is the, the utilization of wellness programs is poor because they come out every year. It's a new flavor of the year, a new program, new program. You got to have consistency. You got to show the results to people. You got to engage them in the process. And once you start engaging people, those bad habits start to melt away. And that's what we do by empowering people through education and engagement we're giving them the freedom to make the change. And what we find is that people will make the change. We, we our results, we show that 33, or it's about 40 to 60% of the people are exercising more that never exercise in their life. The couch potatoes are walking around the block with their dogs, their kids, their spouse, they're just doing things. And once you get them into new habits, it just becomes the norm. Yeah. So you use a term I hadn't heard before, which is wellness pay. What does that mean? No, wellness based, wellness based oh, pain based. management, Got it. Yeah, pain management, yeah, injury prevention. We focus a lot on pain, that musculoskeletal, because yeah. it, it's a $600 billion problem annually here. And that, and not many people know this, there's a hundred million people. That's almost a third men, women, and children that live in chronic pain every day, which means I have that shoulder, back, neck, whatever it is, that issue for 12 weeks in a row uninterrupted. That's a lot of people living in pain. Which is ridiculous. They shouldn't be doing that. No, Once they we shouldn't. Find it, we got to, again, getting back out of those habits. You also talk about companies facing the perfect storm. But before we get to that, let's take a quick break. I want to come back and talk about that. And we'll be back right after this message. C-Suite Radio. 
Hey, we're back and we are live on LinkedIn and Facebook. This is Jeffrey Hazlett. We're on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett right here on C-Suite Radio. C-Suite Radio, the world's largest business podcast network. And we're so glad to bring you education, motivation, a little inspiration. And today we're talking with the CEO of the Dorn Companies out of Denver. And he's the president CEO, Kevin Lombardo. He's actually one of my old bosses and a very good friend. We've stayed friends for many, now, look, oh, 20 years, about 20, 20 years, years now. Yeah, which is a fantastic amount of time to have good friends. Now, right before the break, I was starting to talk to you about you talking about companies facing the perfect storm. Sure. What is sure. the perfect storm? The perfect storm is a convergence of many different things. The, the aging workforce, and that became a popular, you know, things come out and they become popular and everybody talks about them. And then the next year, something else becomes popular. But the aging workforce has been around for about five to seven years. And the, the impact of that is that uh, it used to be about 20%. It's now 25% of the workforce are people like you and I, baby boomers. And what's happening is, as we know, the millennials have outpaced us now in pure numbers, but the, the, the people in between us and the millennials, there's 10 million short. So people aren't retiring. Their, their portfolios will go up. They think they're going to retire. COVID happens. Their portfolios go down. 9-11 happens. Something happens that people aren't able to retire. So you have an aging workforce that naturally, if there's an injury, becomes a longer and more severe injury than somebody 30 years old having that same injury, assuming it's not catastrophic. Um, you have, so you have the aging workforce. You have the millennial factor. Millennials come in, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a little rudeness here. I'm picking up my phone, it's not on. And millennials, they grew up doing this, which right. by the way, you and I walk through airports doing this now, which we shouldn't, but we do. Yeah. When you're doing this for eight hours and, and, and my daughter did this growing up, they walk into a job with a pre-existing condition. So you have the millennial factors that have pre-existing conditions. You have an aging workforce that can be injured a lot easier. And then you just have a number of circumstances, older equipment, older processes, all coming together at the same time that creates a huge risk for injury rates because again we focus on injury prevention and things of that nature so the perfect storm is around all of those areas coming together at the same time now will the baby boomers eventually graduate out of the workforce yes but we're still a big part of it right now there, there and when you look at the demographics of a workforce at any point in time there's at least three generations sometimes four generations mm -hmm. Geez, back in 2011, I wrote about four generations, including the, uh, the greatest generation still in the workforce. And when you have all those things, organizations have to look at it and say, how do I create standardization, but how do I ensure that each group is able to excel and optimize their performance? And so that's what's facing organizations today. So when they bring in new technology for ergonomics or they bring in new technology for equipment, how do you learn? Us olders, we still sometimes have pieces of paper in our hand. The yeah, younger yeah. generation, they want headlines only. They don't want to hear a 30 PowerPoint slide. And so how do you create your tools to reach everybody? 
So it's created a lot of challenges for organizations and some do it very well. Uh, you start getting into the tier two, the tier three, the non-public entities, they need a lot of help and support to, to get those messages out. Maybe in a manufacturing facility, you might be thinking about this a little bit more, but in a non-manufacturing service business, but do you think they're thinking of, thinking of things like this or are you having to bring the awareness to them to think about these kinds of things? Good question. I will say in, I'm going to go back four years, five years when I first started with Doran, a lot of education. I speak, assuming we go to conferences again someday, I speak at about six or seven conferences a year, a lot of education that goes on. So there was a lot of education in the beginning. I think I mentioned, you know, our business has grown four uh, X in the last three and a half years. In the beginning, it wasn't, there was a lot of education that was going on. I will say now that it's starting to shift because there's a lot of companies, they're competitors, but they're great companies that are out there and we're all out there in the speaking circuit. We're bringing this to organizations. And again, you're larger, you're publicly traded, you're, you know, fortune 500 companies. They're there because they hire in that thought leadership and they, those are the people that are leading the, the safety and the risk management and the wellness programs. You get beyond that they don't have the resources to have that in-house and even the conference organizers we were four years ago we were the only ones speaking about things like aging workforce today every you know every conference has a section on it so it is changing but it took three or four years of that education and you know i like to think that we led the way we do a lot of thought leadership a lot of white papers you know, we, we believe that we have to bring knowledge base to people um, and someday it'll turn into business. Great. If it goes to a competitor who's a good company, that's great, too. It, uh, it helps the industry. Yeah. What tell, tell me about you've got a thing called the BBE model. What's that? Yes. So um, our core philosophy um, for uh, NIOSH, which is the part of the OSHA organization, is all around safety and injury prevention. And it's a government organization. And their philosophy is called total worker health. It's a holistic approach of looking at an employee and looking at a group of employees and saying, how do we really take care of these folks by looking at everything? It's getting wellness, HR, safety all at the same table. Well, that's a government agency. That's their trademark name. I can't really use total worker health, but that is our core philosophy. Our version of it is called body behavior and environment. So we believe that you have to take that holistic approach of looking at the body and that's the poor body mechanics. It's how people interact with the equipment, the behaviors. Are they doing the right things? And when I say the right things, it's not that people come to work intentionally to mess up, but they come to work and they're using those poor behaviors. And so, and then the environment is pure kind of ergonomics, industrial hygienists, those type of things. And when you put those three together, when you get an organization that looks at that, that way, then it, it really elevates how they put programs together. It elevates bringing former silos together to work together to really make an impact. And I think our programs, we get somewhere about four to 600% annual ROI. And it's not because we're just good. We are good, but it's about when we get with organizations that believe in that holistic approach, then there there's buy-in. There's buy-in at the top, buy-in all the way down to the grassroots. You know, you, you probably recall when we used to do the town halls, you know, if you don't have buy-in from the plant floor, you, none of your initiatives that we dreamed about in Denver were ever going to happen. 
So by getting people to buy in, by getting the one person who maybe always railed against management to stand up every month and explain the financials and say, we wasted this much money. Do you know what that means to my bonus? You, you, it changes the culture. So our BBE model is really around changing that culture in an organization. Um, and a lot of organizations need that. And it's not that they're bad management or poor, uh, you know, how they operated before. They just needed some help along the way. And so that's what BBE is all about. Absolutely. We don't know what we don't know. And I think Absolutely. that's kind of an interesting piece to, to be able to think about. Well, speaking about holistic, let me be holistic on my side and take a quick break. And I'll be right back after this. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we're back right here live on uh, Facebook and LinkedIn. This is Jeffrey Hazel with All Business with Jeffrey Hazel right here on C-Suite Radio. Of course, don't forget to tell your friends and we thank you very much for listening. Today, I'm talking with the CEO and president of Dorn Companies based out of Denver, talking about health, wellness, and, and being holistic. It's, it's an interesting piece. I, I think COVID is actually having a positive effect on employers thinking about being holistic. You know, I, you know, you're, you're down into yeah. the, you know, talking about the mechanics, the, you know, how to work in a plant, you know, how to be safe. You know, we, of course, you and I both worked in the printing industry for years. We had massive presses, massive yeah. envelope man, man, uh, converters, thing, big equipment where we luckily never really had any deaths from that from accident side of it. Um, but you could get injured, you could get hurt. And we did have uh, people like that, but you know, there's there's a much bigger emphasis on being holistic. Are you starting to see that language come through over these last eight weeks? We've been kind of sequestered. Yeah, I th- honestly, I think so. I think you know, we we actually uh, through a group we sponsored and, and moderated uh, fifteen C level safety people. These were directors on up and vice presidents, and you know, we asked them about this, and and I think when they looked at what their had traditionally been, it was safety, safety, safety. That was about 70% of their time. Now, the fact that it overnight switched to 70 to 80 to 90%, I got to find PPE. I got to do all these things. And that was understandable for the first month. Now they're sitting back and saying, okay, this health side of it has to, you know, they're called EHS for a reason, you know, employee safety and health. The H part never had a lot of play for a lot of folks. Now it is. So they're starting to think about it differently. They're thinking about the environment that people work in. Um, they're thinking about, you know, things like shift flighting where, you know, where, where you and I used to come in at seven in the morning and punch the clock. Well, now you're coming in at 655 and I'm coming in at seven so that less people are clogging the aisleways, staggering breaks, doing different things. So, yes, there's a lot of that. And, I, you know, there's there's no good that comes out of these type of things other than we're prepared, hopefully, for the next wave and things of that nature. But I think what happened was it triggered people to take a step back and start thinking about more than just what they had been doing on a daily basis. But what we try to also express in that thing is, but let's not forget that because what's happening is, you know, whether it's a plant that's been down for three months or whether it's a facility that's uh, been running as the safety part had less and less focus, the risk of injury keeps going up. And there's some catastrophic things happening out there. So they have to have a balance. So I think what will happen in my personal opinion is probably going into 2021, 
there'll be a more investment in these or these, this part of the organization, not, Hey, Jeff, you're our EHS uh, director. You now have to do another piece. No, we're going to hire you two people to focus on that. We're going to hire other people to focus on this. And I think there'll be more of an investment. And, you know, we worked for a guy, Paul Riley, that safety was number one in every meeting. And that's always been my belief that, and so forth. I think it now will be in every organization be a mainstay health and safety and will be a paramount discussion at every board meeting. And so I think the short answer to your question is yes, more and more people are starting to think more broadly while they're running around trying to find PPE or whatever they're, they're doing or, you know, shift lighting or whatever it is. You know, right now we've got a remote workforce by and large across the board as a remote workforce. What changes can employees create at home to have an ergonomic space? Cause I worry about people. I mean, I, I'm on sure. conference calls with team and I'm, they're on the couch, Yeah, you know, get off the fricking couch, get in a real chair. Okay. Yep. You know, so what are the things that we should be doing with a couple minutes left? What should we be doing to talk sure. to our employees about, you know, getting into better practices? It's the same thing as if they were sitting in the office next to you. You you have to not forget about the ergonomic side of it. It's you don't just say, okay, like Twitter, everybody could work from home forever on a perpetual basis. Yeah. And granted, a Twitter is going to have the resources. They're doing things right. Probably um, other organizations, we hope, we hope. <laughs> as long as they don't say to me, check the facts, <laughs> we'll, we'll be okay. If you and I don't get that, but the, the, you know, the short answer is you, you have to take the same precautions. You have to educate people. It's all about education engagement. And so, you know, we have tools, we have desktop uh, self-assessment tools and self-correction tools. So people uh, working from home can get online, take surveys, get a risk profile. The company gets a risk profile and together they can figure out what needs to be fixed. So if I'm working on three screens, how are they situated? Those type of things. They're, we're doing some virtual uh, we're doing some virtual self-care sessions. We're doing virtual ergonomic assessments to help somebody set up their workstation at home. So the, and, and honestly, these are very inexpensive tools. Even the desktop software is a very inexpensive tool. Give them the tools, communicate with them, but don't just do it once and then leave them and say, Jeff's been working from home for six months. He's fine. And all of a sudden you've got a carpal tunnel issue. You've got a back issue and there's $80,000 sitting in, in expense. So might even have a drinking issue. You might have a lot have of a drinking issues. issues. I mean, Absolutely. no, there's a lot of things you got to think about when it comes to that and think about the money you can save, but also the money it could cost you in the long term. So you got to look at the total, just like you look at total cost of ownership, right? Yeah. On buying a product, you got to look at your total cost of investment, total cost of safety. I'm sure there's a phrase or two there that I'm missing, but, but that's what we'd have to look at. You got it. All right. Hey, Kevin, I got to thank you. Thank you so much. And you remind me as I'm sitting here listening, as you brought up a couple of points, how blessed I am to have had you and others in my life uh, to help me get where I'm at. So thank well, you. Jeff, the, the, the feeling's mutual. I, I, I've always enjoyed our time together and enjoy going back and forth on Twitter, or email, and hopefully someday we'll be able to break bread in person. Yeah, it's been, well, it's been a number of years since the last time we've done that. So let's make that happen. All right, brother. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for being on All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. Thank you. Take care, bud.
At the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. And of course, my next guest coming up after I talk about what I learned. And of course, this is always a, a big benefit of listening into the podcast because I always talk about lessons learned. So I've got Claudia Harvey coming on. And she's an entrepreneur extraordinaire. We're going to talk about her resilient story of how she overcome something really bad and turn it into something really good. So what did I learn from Kevin today? First of all, how blessed I am to have leaders like Kevin and others that I learn from. Exact opposites. We're exact opposites. You would have, I'm tall, he's shorter. I mean, there's everything that you could look like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. And I'm not joking with Kevin. I'm, he's a good friend, so I can have some fun. But I'm telling you, just in personality and the book, you know, he's kind of a bookkeeper type. I'm a total sales and marketing type. But man, did we grow that business? Did we take it to different places? And did we have fun doing it? And um, we also had some arguments too. Now, I'll tell you the other thing I really learned in this show is check your demographics and think about these times are changing. The way you used to do things isn't the way you want to do it. So how can you look at a more holistic approach to take care of the people around you? Because nobody wants to get hurt. Nobody wants to take off. Nobody wants workers comp. No one wants injuries. No one wants to be in pain. That's what I learned today. My next guest is one of our Hero Club and Thought Council members. She's a successful entrepreneur who struck a deal with Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful in Canada's version of the Shark Tank. And then, of course, he came down here and changed the show around. I'll tell you that. So she joined the likes of Oprah and other influencers as a contributing author of America's Leading Ladies. And we talk about that book uh, briefly uh, in the middle of the show. So listen in. And she also sits on uh, several philanthropic uh, boards, including the Princess Margaret Hospital Foundation right there in Toronto, one of the top five cancer research centers in the world. We missed out on going to a black tie event. But uh, we'll be back. She also co-founded BG Wealth Group, BG Property Holdings, and BG Marketing Authority, and also created Digit Apparel, a line of gardening gloves for women. Listen, she is an entrepreneur extraordinaire, and we're so glad to have her on the show. Claudia Harvey, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Thank you so much. My pleasure to be here, Jeffrey. Good to have you. You look wonderful. What a great backdrop and everything. Is that your home office? It is my home office. Yes. Well, for those that are, that are listening, she it's gorgeous. You, you would expect it from her. If somebody has a business that sells line of gardening gloves for women, you would expect it to look nice. So how are you running? Um, how were you running your business pre-pandemic and how did your business model shift yeah. During this whole mess. Well, yeah, it's a wonderful question. Um, our initial products are gardening gloves, like you mentioned, but we've added a line of other products along the way. And we were just about to launch another product that's niched, that's patented, that we had spent 18 months in preparation. And I was, I'll just hold it up, a little commercial here. It's called Dig It in the Sun. And Dig It in the Sun was about to launch at the March 31st trade show in Duty yeah. Retail Channel. And the duty uh, retail channel, like Hudson News, Re Replay, Airlines, were about to take our product. And it, basically, it's a biopolymer you put on your skin. It tells you when to reapply your sunblock in real time. And it's a patented product. We were just about to launch it worldwide, and COVID hit. So all the trade shows were stopped. All the preparation that we had done to launch this into retail across the world stopped. So we had to immediately, immediately pivot, but we also wanted to make sure that we were supporting the retailers that had always supported us with our existing product line. So not stop the momentum of launching Bigot in the Sun, 
um, as best we could, but also pivot to consumer branding education as well. So it's been an extremely busy eight to 12 weeks. Now, is it better to do a product like that on retail versus uh, online? It is. It is. It's the best to do it on retail. Um, so hence, with a lot of retailers closed around the world, including the duty channel that we we're about to go into, it's really to also to create brand awareness for something like this. Yeah. So we're going to use the opportunity to shift to consumer education. So, the, and by the way, why, why would you say retail versus online? Is it because just the being able to one, reach the masses and two, is it about your cost of acquisition or your yeah. margins? What, yeah. Yeah. A little bit of both. Like a, a product like this is a high volume, low margin product because it's yeah. really easy to purchase from uh, the consumer level, you know, it's basically less than $20 coming out of your pocket, which is a basically a low consumer item. And um, so it's a high, high volume, low margin for us, but the more masses that we can get the product out to, the better for us. So pivoting to a consumer education and going to online, that requires a lot of um, consumer dollars or advertising dollars to do that if we had already started the process of going into retail. So do you, are you able to leverage your dig it piece of the business or your customer base there and be able to say, hey, oh, by the way, I also have this now? Absolutely. Yeah. So our, um, our gloves, this is our gloves and we are in Home Depot, Canada and Lowe's and in Home Depot, we actually put one of our dig it, uh, in the sun products in the packaging within the retail stores of Home Depot for the spring. So that still happened. We still shipped to store. So again, we had consumer education out there and, Anything that we can to increase the consumer education for the brand and leverage off of our Digit consumers that have been with us for the last eight to 10 years is what we're doing. So we've shifted away from just women buying our products to women that care about our products for themselves and their families. Yeah, which which really kind of a cool, great extension. So let me ask a question because I'm curious. Did you have to go get permission from Lowe and Home Depot to be able to put that in the product? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's months, months, months back. That was in the fall. So yeah. they were looking every year. They look to their vendors like myself to do something above and beyond something different, something great to consumer. So we were launching dig it in the sun and we thought, well, this is a great add on to our product at our cost. So we put the sample into our product and that's just something that's nice for Home Depot Canada. So they chose to yeah. do that. There's, yeah. a, there's a couple of things going on here with you, which is kind of interesting that most people don't think of. First of all, product extension, right? What would be a great product extension? Like one day I was talking to the Don dishwashing folks mm -hmm. and, and I mentioned to them how much I love to use theirs, uh, Don to clean windows. And they said, what do you mean? And I said, I put, I said, I learned from a window washer one time. I, he was cleaning windows. It was unbelievable. It was so easy. He was just pushing the, you know, slapping the stuff up. And then he just took his squeegee and, and then it was done. Right. And I couldn't get over how he was doing that. So I went outside and asked him about what he was using. He said, it's, it's, it's a bucket of water, one drop of Dawn. I do that. I throw it up there and I squeegee it off. So I told those guys, I've been doing this for years, every since then. And what a great product extension. So look for that coming soon. But I still do that. I'm going to clean windows this weekend and I'm going to do the exact same thing. But so product extension is one. The other thing is you mentioned windows. So I call them marketing windows. So let's, let's educate the audience about that. They make the decision in the fall for something for the spring or summer. 
So if you miss that window, you got to wait a whole nother year, right? That's right. For a spring summer product you do. And sometimes it's even an 18 month sales cycle. You need to introduce yeah. it to a retail buyer and then the retail buyer thinks about it. They bring it to their other departments. They determine if it's best in one department versus another. It's a long sales cycle to get into, into retail sometimes. So preparing to launch a new product in a very big way requires at least two years of concentrated effort and money dedicated money to do that. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. I want to come back and ask you how the heck you got into this okay. and then what was your biggest learning that you've had since you've gotten into it? I think that'll sure. be kind of cool. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. C-Suite Radio. All right. We're back live right here on LinkedIn and Facebook as we bring you all business with Jeffrey Hazel right here on C-Suite Radio. We're so glad to be able to have Claudia Harvey back. She's a founding partner and president of BG Wealth Group. Of course, she owns everything. BG everything. BG marketing, BG properties, BG. I don't know. Everything with BG. If you see a BG on it, you just better assume she owns it. That's just a <laughs> fact, right? It's a, I was talking to you before the break. What, what you, you came from the financial industry. I did. And now you're in, now you're selling digging gloves yeah. and, and yeah. sunblock uh, in, the indicators. So, so how the hell did you get into this? Well, I took all the corporate experience that I had in the past. So I had a 25-year, 30-year corporate experience from marketing, sales, financial, um, um, anything from the front end and the back end. So when I decided to leave the corporate world and not specifically to make money on my own, but more to find strength and balance with my family because I had three young kids. That was my actually the reason why that I left my corporate world, but I needed to do something as well. So we launched Dig It as a consumer product, never having any anticipation that it's gonna go worldwide <laughs> back yeah. in 2009. And we launched in the recession. So I took all the experience I had creating um, information and projects and product development for other companies and then I put all that together for my own company. And that's what I created. And then rinsed and repeat to do yeah. it again and again. Yeah, I call it, yeah, step and repeat, step and repeat. Just do the same thing over and over. And I've been doing it all my career, all my career. And it's, yeah. you know, it's actually paid off pretty well. You know, <laughs> same thing with my marriage. Paid off pretty well. Step and repeat. Just treat it really good. Do the right things and shut your mouth. That's a pretty good <laughs> How about what was what? So what was the biggest kind of you came from a corporate kind of world, finance, corporate, big thing, I'm sure big tower buildings, you know, uh, kind of not nine to five because it's never like that. But, you know, what I'm saying a pretty structured life. What was the biggest thing that you learned coming in through this process? Uh, You know what? When you have when you've been an employee for years and years, you have this sense of um, almost entitlement that you're going to get a paycheck no matter what you're going to do, no matter how the company does. You're pretty well set that if you have a good job, hopefully you're going to have a, a paycheck for the next eight years. Uh, moving to now, that's obviously changing a bunch of receptions and a whole bunch of things happening in your economy. But that satisfaction, that kind of understanding is absolutely out the window when you have your own business. When you have your own business, every single solitary cent that you spend in your business is going back out of your pocket. And that I think was the biggest aha moment because we launched my two, the two business partners, myself and my business partner at the time that launched Dig It, we both put $40,000 into the business and thinking that that's a lot of money. And it was at the time. Yeah. Well, 40 grand, uh, 40 grand. It is. It is. But it goes like that. 
like gone yeah. in a heartbeat. Yeah. And then when you have an inventory based company as well, it's, it's even, you know, triple. So, yeah. so the finance of the of financing, the business was, I think the most, Oh my goodness, this is, this is hard. We have to make sure that we have enough margins and revenue to make sure that we finance the expansion of the company. Yeah, it's a huge sucking sound you hear all those bank accounts for quick, right? You talk, you do a lot of keynotes, which is awesome to be able to see you on stage. You talk about success. What does it? What does success mean for you? Ah, I love that. Thank you for asking that. Um, I'm going to say originally, success meant making money. When I yeah. first started out in my in my career, I went to Bay Street, which is your Wall Street, and I wanted to make money, 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 and travel the world and have this glamorous lifestyle. And when I had my three kids, I realized that money wasn't the be all and end all. Don't get me wrong, money is important, of course, to have a lifestyle, but how much money is really important? So I had this whole shift of what I really thought was important in my life, and now my success factors is living life with strengths, balance, and harmony in my whole life. So my, my work, my professional life, my kids are now, I started to dig it when my kids were 10, six, and four, and that's 10 years from now. So they, they're definitely growing up. Um, so again, I think success changes as you're going through your life and you're really understanding what you really want, what you don't want at different stages of your life. So I was able to have that lovely corporate career Great, making some money, putting nest egg away, start my own business, have some fulfillment, have balance around my family lifestyle. As the kids grew up, I was able to open that lifestyle back up and travel again and sort of shift again back into being more professional, and which is a good thing since they get started taking off. So that's good. Very cool. Well, I'm going to come back and talk to you about strategies. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we are back. This is Jeffrey Hazel with All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. We're live on LinkedIn and Facebook as we are streaming our show. We're bringing together a little bit of education, a little motivation, a little inspiration as we really talk about, uh, you know, the C-suite network and all that we can do. And of course, bringing you today, Claudia Harvey, a founding partner and president of BG Wealth Group. She is a Thought Council member, which is our highest elite uh, biggest group for authors, speakers, coaches, thought leaders who are serving those trusted advisors or trusted serving as trusted advisors to C-suite executives. And of course, she's one of our Hero Club members, which is our highest, uh, most value-based group of CEOs and founders inside the C-suite. So what are some strategies, Claudia, that people should be implementing right now in order to be successful? Well, especially in today's time, again, thank you for asking that, Jeffrey. I think especially in today's time, whatever your business is experiencing, and I'm sure that most businesses have experienced some sort of flux in the last, uh, you know, 12 weeks. Either up or down, either up or down. Yeah, for some it's been, uh, you know, this has been, there's a lot of great opportunities in crisis, but for others, crisis has been crisis. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think the most important thing is don't think that this is going to happen forever and ever and ever. Right now, we have to respond to the immediate crisis on hand and do whatever it takes in your business to keep yourself afloat or to find those opportunities and to pivot your company to find those opportunities. Um, support your employees along the way, of course, and but still plan for what this is going to look like when it come, when we come out of it in 2021 or 2022. Um, for instance, the Dig It In The Sun product, even though it didn't go into the duty channel this year, Duty is probably going to be postponed for a year. So we don't stop. 
we still engage with our buyers. We still stay in touch with our, our vendors and we keep everybody informed of what we're going to do. And we're trying to strategize uh, creating new products existing right now to meet the pandemic, as well as pivoting to new products in 2021 that are also aligned with our brand. So it's never stopping. That's what it is. So you were a contributor in the book, America's Leading Ladies. And let's be clear, America doesn't just mean the U.S. It means Canada and the U.S. when we talk about America. So let's be inclusive. But in that book, you talked a lot about your story of courage and resilience. What's that story? <laughs> I think it's just basically picking up your socks, even when something's knocking you down, no matter how that's going to be, and being stubborn and just keep going head down and knowing that you have a vision, you want to meet that vision, no matter what's trying to stop you from getting there. And you go around it, over it, under it, sideways, doesn't matter. You just keep doing it. And I have a wee story. Can I give you a little story? Yeah, about, sure. I think it's a, a really good example of, I was very close to um, going, oh my goodness, I don't know how to do this. So we came off of Dragon's Den, which is sh just like Shark Tank in the United States. We partnered with Kevin O'Leary. This is back in 2010. We had our very first purchase order from a big box store in Canada. And we're just coming off of Dragon's Den, which is, you know, a, a national TV show. And I received my first product into our warehouse and we were supposed to get it out the door within six weeks to our, our big box. And I opened the box and the manufacturing of the product is terrible. So the cinch is off, the fingers are weird. Basically, sixty percent of it's unsellable, and that's uh -oh. that's my that's my entire inventory for this for this. Yikes! Time. So you're looking at a box, and sixty percent of them got something wrong with them. Yes, yes. So unsellable. So, but I, my money's gone. My money is paid for this inventory. Out. Oh yeah. So in order for me to save my brand, which are which is our first big box, we had all kinds of advertising moving forward. In the middle of February in Toronto, it was very cold, and we went into our warehouse that's unheated. I hired people that I couldn't afford. I took apart 20,000 units, looked at the right hand and the left hand, matched them together, re-tagged them, which I couldn't afford, but we got it out the door, and we were $1,000 away from bankruptcy. So other people would have said, all right, you've already put thousands of dollars into this business. You've come off of this amazing show, but... Uh, it's still flipping hard. I think I'm done. I'm going to go back into my corporate com comfy life and just do what I, I know best. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. There's no way. Because I put too much blood, sweat, and tears into it already. So something will happen to turn this company around. And I've still got $1,000 in my pocket. And we persevered and we kept going. And then the next year with some people in the year after was lows. And um, so it's, but it's, having that strength and belief in yourself that you can actually do it no matter what's coming at you. And I think a lot of that also has to do with our existing and current environment. You know, it's like you could get knocked in the gut. So when I opened the boxes, I wanted to throw up on the warehouse floor. Yeah. So you I mean, have what are you going to do? Moment. You have to do it. You know, I call those mirror test moments. You look in the mirror and who's responsible for this. You can sit there and complain and say, Oh, I'm going to sue those guys. I'm going to go after them. That's going to take months, might even take years in the and meantime. Money. Yeah, you gotta you gotta sell something. Yeah. You gotta sell it. So yeah. you did it, and that was right. Hey, that's a story. A great way to end this uh, to today's day on the show. So thank you, Claudia. We're with Claudia Harvey. She's a founding partner and president of BG Wealth Group, and active in our Hero Club, and active in our C Suite Network as a thought leader. And we thank you for being a part of thank all you, business Jeffrey. with Jeffrey Hazel. My pleasure.
the end of every show, talk about what I learned. Let me tell you what I learned. A couple of things. Resilience, that was one. Of course, reminds me to be resilient. You have to be resilient. She had a mirror test moment. That's when you have to look in the mirror and said, who's going to fix this? Who's responsible? Where am I going to go for help? You look in the mirror, it's all staring back at you. That's the way it is in the life of an entrepreneur. And the other thing I, I learned uh, or reminded about is windows. You know, you got to think ahead. Think ahead. When's the product going to go to market? Especially if you think, oh, this is going to be a great one for Home Depot, great one for Walmart, great one for whatever big box retailer or online. You've got to be able to think through how far in advance they work to sell a, or market a product. And that's usually like a year. And she said 18 months sometimes. So you might miss the window. You might miss the window. You might have a great product, but you didn't think ahead and you didn't anticipate how your customer or your partner helps you sell that product. And so you missed the band and we don't want you to miss the band. I want to hear the mu wonderful music of money uh, being played by you and so many other businesses. Hey, thank you so much for listening right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlitt and C-Suite Radio. And don't forget, tell your friends. Cheers. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.